Hello, and welcome to the Ten Commandments, an eight-week conversation about some of the most famous words from Scripture. Over the course of this series, we will be talking about what the Ten Commandments meant in their time and how they relate to us today. Tasha and I will be doing this in conversation with Ken Peavy House, a member here at First Presbyterian Church and a regular attender of Sunday School for many, many years. So stick around and join us. Well, Ken, we're back. This is it. This is the ultimate episode, not the penultimate, the ultimate episode. Well, that's ten wrapped up in eight. Yeah, so great. Have you enjoyed your journey through the Ten Commandments? No. <laughs> no, it, I mean, it's not as straightforward in a lot of cases as you would have thought. Uh-huh. And there's a lot more to it that, oh, you know, all my life has just been kind of glossed over yeah. and not fully researched, expanded, thought about. Mm-hmm. So this has been difficult. Yeah, it, like most of Scripture, it's, it's really cozy, Maybe to just take it in a flat way and read it, oh, it says this, do this. Mm-hmm. But digging into it does tend to make it a little more complex once you add the kind of richness of theological tradition and history and language and culture and all those things. Yeah, and the way we live now, it's like we don't have, really have time to look at that. No, no, it's much easier in nugget size, tweet tweet size. <laughs> tweet uh, size. <laughs> don't so, write size, tweet size. Tweet size it. Tweet size it. Well, let's see if we can not tweet size the final commandment. How about that? Okay. So we're gonna we're looking at coveting this week, and uh, we're gonna read both the Exodus and the Deuteronomy version because they're slightly different. Okay. Um, so this is, if people recall, the Ten Commandments is in two places: Exodus twenty and Deuteronomy five. So here's here's Exodus first, then Deuteronomy. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or male or female slave, or ox, or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Okay, now Deuteronomy. Neither shall you covet your neighbor's wife, neither shall you desire your neighbor's house, or field, or male or female slave, or ox, or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Okay, so a little difference there. Yeah. In one of them, the wife comes first. One of them, the wife comes second. That's right. That's right. I guess it depends on, as you listen to this, first of all, as we said on Sunday, good news, uh, folks, you are free to covet your neighbor's husband. No problem there. Uh, at least if we're going to take things by the word in the, in the tweet version yeah. of this. Um, but uh, in the spirit of it, certainly that's a joke. But uh, so you can decide... What do you think about each list uh, with one putting house first and one putting, <laughs> putting wife first? Yeah, yeah. It's kind of an interesting little distinction there. I mean, it, it doesn't change the commandment really for either. It's They're both listed in both, but it is interesting kind of how they've power ranked. Uh, Depends what on you're what not supposed group to you're in as to whether it makes a difference or not. That's right. That's right. It's it's a little bit uh, a little bit of a subtle thing. Um, what are your instant reactions to this this commandment? Anything? Well, the, you know, the initial reaction was, you know, covet. We we all want things, mm-hmm. and wanting apparently is like coveting. But I'm not going to go to the extreme to 
do anything harmful or what I'm thinking is harmful to when I want something. You know, if my neighbor has something that I think is interesting and would benefit me, uh, you know, covet may be the word, it may be too strong a word, but it, you know, it's something that I want. And then knowing that it exists, I'll go out to the store and get one myself. Right. So have I coveted? just by looking at something and thinking that that would benefit me? Mm -hmm. You know, where does the the harm come from that? Mm -hmm. Well, so I think one of the things you sit there and you look at is uh, it, this is where there's such a big cultural distinction, right? So we have to consider where we live. So, you know, now we, we looked at an ad in Sunday school for Toyota Tundras. So we'll use that example. <laughs> Let's say your neighbor pulls up in a nice new Toyota Tundra and you look at that and you think that's a heck of a truck and you think I could afford a truck like that. I think I'm going to get a truck like that. Yeah. So what do you do? You go down to the Toyota store and you get a Toyota Tundra mm -hmm. like you want. Mm -hmm. In the context of this commandment, we will replace the Tundra with a donkey. And you look at your neighbor's donkey, and it's a fine animal. Your donkey's kind of old. It's never been particularly energetic. It's been a little bit obstinate, even by donkey standards, Ken. <laughs> but your neighbor's donkey is a beautiful specimen. Does exactly what your neighbor wants. Really seems to be fairly compliant. And you think to yourself, that's a heck of a donkey. Where that commandment then brings in reality is there was no donkey store, right? Where you could just go get a duplicate of your neighbor's donkey. And so that's where it became the idea of like fixating on that animal, thinking about how much better your life would be with that animal uh, than the one you have, uh, thinking of ways that you could get access to that animal, uh, even going so far uh, potentially as to just deciding that hey, I'm bigger and stronger than my neighbor. I'm just going to force him to trade me. You know, it, it's just a... So contextually, I think there's a lot that it speaks to in our culture and our society, but it's not quite a clear overlay because of that. You know what I mean? Okay. I still... Yeah, there's no donkey store, but... Right. It seems like it's... The, what you just described is doing more harm to you than it would be to the neighbor, and the Ten Commandments are more about the harm to the neighbor, not yeah. to you. Well, and it, it is, it's like, so eventually, if you took his donkey, that, well, that would be... go back to the stealing command, right. not the covenant. But even, like, forced him to do it. it. But it also taints your relationship, doesn't it? Because if, like, you associate your neighbor with what he has that you want, it definitely changes the relationship that you'd have with that person. This is where this is where the wife thing or the spouse we'll say spouse because that's a little cleaner. This is where the spouse thing really comes into play. If you are coveting your neighbor's spouse, how is it possible for you to have a healthy relationship with your neighbor, even if you repress it? So you have poisoned that relationship to a degree. Now the degree to which it's poisoned is the degree to which you act upon that covetousness. Right. But by simply allowing yourself, like, and by coveting here, I think it's important. I, the distinction I make is, like, there is, like, 
oh, my neighbor's spouse is attractive, and it's a fleeting thought. Then there is, I actively am attracted to my neighbor's spouse, and I'm going to continue to think about that. That's a covetousness. Yeah. So that is where it introduces a fixation into, uh, into the relationship. It's like a poison. Yeah, and I can see that with when you're dealing with people. Mm-hmm. But in my own personal experience, way back in the end of junior high, beginning of high school, I really wanted a computer that Radio Shack made. Mm-hmm. And I got the catalogs, and I was just fixated mm-hmm. on it. I was going, and I would go to all the different Radio Shack stores and, and looking at these mm-hmm. things. And I mean, it... It was everything was it was always on my mind. Mm-hmm. Is that coveting and was that harmful? Well, it is, but it's not by the, I don't think it's by the commandment because it didn't I mean it's for sale. Well, okay. But, but it, it does affect it everything does affect, else. It does affect you, right? Yeah. Like because when we start fixating on stuff especially mm-hmm. to that degree, I do think we need to interrogate that feeling, right? Like why is it that I want this so badly? It may be very legitimate reasons. Usually when we fixate on, or at least for me, I'll speak for myself. When I fixate on an object or an item to that degree, Mm -hmm. it's more of a symptom of something else. Like a symptom of anxiety, a symptom of dissatisfaction with my life, a symptom of a desire to impress or control. You know what I mean? Like there's there's something metaphysical that I have attached to that object when I get when I historically fixate on things like that okay that didn't help me didn't help you (laughs) no right well I mean I do think listen you know you worked in computers well this was the beginning of what led me into this was this fixation right and and so like being really interested and fascinated by something and and wanting to use it and learn from it and turn it into a career I, I just don't think that's what we're talking about no the, but all the things that it took mm-hmm. are the same words that are used with, mm-hmm. with coveting yeah so what's the differentiation well let's see uh, so the computer didn't belong to anybody else first no. of all second of all it has an actual clear purpose mm-hmm. I think um, and is not about elevating you at the it, like there's no cost really to your neighbor right? by you wanting a computer that Radio Shack sells mm-hmm. or in our modern parlance, Best Buy sells. <laughs> um, there's, I don't think there's any any issue there. Now, if it starts to poison your relationships, like if, let's say this was when you were a younger guy, so you yeah. weren't married. right? So it's not a sort of thing where you are having to secretly save up money or lie to your wife about it in order to get it. <laughs> you know, it's, it's not... You'd have to tell me if it damaged any of your relationships. So it didn't damage a relationship. No. So, yeah, it's just I really want that computer for these reasons. I mean, I don't see it as any different than, like, wanting a specific woodworking tool. Right. You know, you're, if, if you're a woodworker and there's a tool that exists that you really want because you could do even more ornate stuff and you spend time on it and it's a passion and a hobby, maybe you can monetize it. I don't think that's what we're talking about. Okay. So. That Even though the language is the same. Mm-hmm. The what the commandment is guiding us towards, really, and this is what we talked about beforehand, but it, it's how this is shaped. It's it's it is specifically tied to neighbor. Mm-hmm. 
So if you take neighbor out of the equation, I do think it changes. Okay, so that's the key word. I feel like it is. Okay. I mean, I feel like neighbor more than covet is. But it's that that whole black and white, thou shalt not covet. Right, okay. right. You have to. There's, so there's some says, gray in there. You're right. just not letting us know it. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. Yeah. So it doesn't say you shall not covet a house. Or you shall not covet a wife. Ah, okay, that's helpful. It is the neighbors, I mean, neighbors in both of these three times. The and word in two sentences, yeah. the word neighbor appears. And it's also consistent with the rest of the final six commandments, which are very much focused on our relationship with the other. So if you, even if you want to broaden it out a little bit, this is a relational passage, okay. not necessarily a personal piety passage. So how it, it should it impacts if if your interest in the computer didn't have a single impact on a on a relationship, then it's just not it's not the same. Well, it actually developed a relationship with John Aubrey, who's a member of our church. <laughs> yeah. He had a computer like uh -huh. that. He invited me over to the house, yeah. and you know, like the career went from uh -huh. there. Uh, so it was a positive benefit to yeah, our relationship so, there. So it actually facilitated relationships right. for you. But when we get back to what the Bible is saying, mm -hmm. it all rolls back to neighbor mm -hmm. and what harm it could do to your neighbor. Yes, and, and that's where I think even if it's an unfulfilled covetousness or desire, even if you never take your, don your neighbor's donkey, it, it, is, it is a toxin that you've introduced into that relationship. Yeah. Because if you're envious of somebody, I think it's very difficult for you to have a fully positive relationship with them. Mm -hmm. It holds you back. It does. I mean, it does. I think it does. You know, either you want to impress them or you want to undermine them or you have to fake certain, like, you know, uh, you know, if your neighbor's like, boy, you know, I'm working with my donkey today and boy, it was a good donkey. Like, you know, that's going to make you angry probably when it shouldn't. It's your neighbor's donkey. He's just telling you about his day. That's relational. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I, I think... It, you know, most of the stuff exists on a spectrum, right? Like even if we go back to the Toyota Tundra example, why do you want the Tundra? Is it because you didn't know about it and you saw your neighbors and then you, your neighbor showed you his and you were like, this is great. Like I would really like this and I would use it for these things. And then I'm, this is bet I'm going to go get one of these. Or is it like, well, my neighbor Bob has this and I want to be like Bob so I'm going to get it. Those are different things with the same outcome. You know what I mean? And one's a little mm -hmm. bit less cool yeah. <laughs> for our purposes, yeah. I think. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's about most of the commandments, I think, especially these types. You know, thou shalt not kill is maybe a little different. But um, these types of commandments do require some degree of uh, being honest with ourselves. You know, we're very good at deluding ourselves. We don't lie to anybody better than we lie to ourselves. <laughs> and so I do think some degree of self-awareness and reflection on our behavior and our actions uh, is important when we get to a commandment like this. Why is it that I want something and what do I want to do with it? These are, I mean, to me, that's kind of where the, the rubber hits the road. Yeah. I guess most of mine is 
when I covet something in a catalog. So right. So not the same. Not the same. Not the same. Not even if it's my neighbor's catalog. Not even, no, because <laughs> they probably loaned it to you. Yeah. Um, so this this commandment does get borne out a little bit in uh, in the Gospels. This this story appears in one form or another in, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Uh, so I'm going to read it now. This is the Mark version. As Jesus was setting out on a journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Those sound familiar to you, Ken? Yeah, yeah, I've heard those before. (laughs) He said to him, Teacher, I have kept all these since my youth. Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said, You lack one thing. Go sell what you own and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. When he heard this, he was shocked and went away grieving, for he had many possessions. So at first blush, this doesn't necessarily lead us to think of coveting our neighbor's stuff. But yet, that's the commandment that's left off of the list of the neighborly things. And so it it kind of what it does is offers us the antidote to coveting things, which is to letting go of our own stuff that's the opposite Mm -hmm. so what jesus is laying out here is without directly saying it is rather than covet your neighbor's stuff actually what you should probably be doing is divesting of your own possessions not an easy thing to hear i don't think as somebody who has stuff ken i have stuff i have stuff I have stuff that's been passed down. I have other people's stuff. Yes. I have stuff that I very much like. Yes. And so uh, it is difficult to deal with a, a passage like this, but it is one to reflect upon of I think if we if we were took it this is this is my these these are my favorite types of passages by the way, Ken, when people say uh, that they take every word in the Bible literally. Yeah. I, I know that they don't. And you said so you've sold everything that right, you have. Right, because they haven't done that. Yeah. Because I've seen them drive up in their car. Right. So obviously you haven't taken every word in the Bible literally. So, but other than that. Other than that, yeah. I'm sure they have. Yeah. Um, I've cut off my right hand. That's right. That's right. Torn out your eye, all these sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, loved your neighbor or loved your enemies fervently. Um, but, you know, this passage is one. So let's talk about the spirit of it. I don't, I don't think it's useful to sit around shaming everybody into having stuff. And I don't think it's going to get us very far. But I do think... The, the spirit of this is not only with the 10th commandment do we examine our relationship with our, na- with our neighbor's stuff. We examine our relationship with our own stuff and how we hold that stuff. You know, I mean, we can hold it very tightly or we can hold it uh, very loosely. And I think what Jesus is driving to is us holding it loosely. React. <laughs> React. Well, you know, I there are pockets of money that are out there that are used for good. Mm-hmm. You know, charitable trusts. But these charitable trusts have large balances. Mm-hmm. But the 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 work that that charitable trust does, the money that it generates, goes down and helps people. Mm-hmm. And, but Jesus is saying, 
get it down to zero. Mm -hmm. But if you get it down to zero, then you can't help anybody. Mm -hmm. But you have helped people at that point. Mm -hmm. I mean, th there's a balance there somewhere, mm -hmm. and I don't understand how to how to go how to please Jesus's words mm -hmm. with what I feel is our job also to help people and be stewards of this money. That's the word I think is the key, is steward. Okay. To me, the charitable trust issue breaks down when we think of it as ours, as mine. Like, well, I'm a trustee of this trust, therefore it's mine. Like, I'm the arbiter of how it should be used. No, you're a steward. Like, you're just a temporary custodian of these resources that have been left. So therefore, they don't belong to you, they belong to whatever institution you're talking about and whatever people you're supposed to serve and to some degree the person who gave it, mm -hmm. even though they're likely not here. And I think if we take that same mindset and look at our own stuff, you said you've got stuff in your house that was handed down to you? Yeah, oh yes. So that is different than a shirt that you own. You know, you bought the shirt because you need to wear a shirt. Mm -hmm. And you'll wear that shirt for a while, and eventually it'll wear out, or you'll, or you'll get tired of it, and you'll get a new shirt, and you'll start the process again. Mm -hmm. Heirlooms, on the other hand, are something that have had value in your family for generations. So for that, you're more like a steward. Okay. Like, like you have it now, but the idea is you're holding it for somebody else just as it was held for you by others. Okay. So I think if you if you want to parse out what, what you own or what's in your house, I do think there's a difference and you have a different relationship between stuff that has a utility, stuff that you have that you just wanted or liked, and stuff that you have that's part of a bigger story in terms of just possessions. Money is the same thing. There's money that you have because you need that money. You need to put a roof over your head. You need to pay your bills. You need to buy groceries. God knows we're going to need to buy gas. <laughs> right? So you need, you need, you have certain needs. Like this is where it gets back to tithing, right? Like God's like, well, keep 90, give away 10. So for that 10, you're a steward. It's not your, none of it's yours, but you're a steward. And this is how we have understood ourselves to be responsible for the resources that we have. So I do think it's not as simple as saying this is a possession and this is a possession because I would guess what's an example of one of those heirlooms that you're comfortable sharing? A furniture item. Okay, a furniture item. There's a difference between that piece of furniture and the shirt you're wearing today. Mm -hmm. Like they're both your possessions. But this is where kind of having some sophistication as we look at these things is important and some nuance because they're not the same. In no way are they the same. You know, <laughs> like... Tasha likes to watch those hoarding shows. Have you ever seen those, Ken? <laughs> yeah. So the hoarding shows, and, and what they'll do is they'll put, put all this stuff out on tarps in, in a yard, and they'll start sorting through it. And to 99% um, to of humanity, it looks like trash. But to the hoarder, it, it has different things. But, but the hoarder will be going through and going through, and they're in a mood, and they're like, yes, that can go. Yes, that can go. Yes, that can go. But then inevitably, they will land on something that can't go, but still looks like trash. It looks just as much like trash as the, the 10 items they left before. And that's where it gets into this idea of what is a possession, what's our relationship to the possession. 
what does it mean to have that possession? Um, you know, I'm sure you would hope that maybe one of your kids would like the furniture that you that you've held on to or a mm-hmm. piece of it. Maybe their kids would like it, and it just stays in the PV House family for a long time as it's landed with you now. That's just so different. And but we we have we have to look at stuff in relation to what it means to us and also how that meaning affects our faith. How does that affect our discipleship? I don't think it's inhibiting your discipleship to have an heirloom piece of furniture that has special meaning to you. Unless it is. I mean, you know, but but it gets back to that idea that you I mean, you use the word of being a steward, thinking about our relationship with stuff as a steward rather than as an owner. Well, good. I don't know. That's what I got to say about that. So anyway, the this passage in Mark is one that you can kind of go to and, and look and, and see how it relates to this coveting and desire uh, uh, passage. Well, Ken, we have about reached the end of things. Do you want to put a coda on our Ten Commandments? Well, you know, we talked about it once before about, you know, Jesus was asked which was the most important mm-hmm. of those. And uh, he said, love the Lord God with all your heart and with all your soul and all your mind. And uh, that there was a second one like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And then he, he wrapped that up with all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. And when you go back and listen to what we discussed, they really do. You know, the, the first several of them were about love of God and your relationship with God. And the rest of them were about how to deal with your neighbor. And it's, it, it's kind of a double whammy with your neighbor that you don't really realize. First of all, the obvious, don't hurt your neighbor. But then the ones you really don't recognize is if you're not helping your neighbor, that's hurting your neighbor. You know, if your neighbor fell in a hole, you didn't cause him to fall in the hole, but you didn't help him get out. Mm-hmm. That's that's a problem, and that's against you know the commandments. Mm-hmm. So you know, I really like how he wrapped it up. He is better at talking than I am, and we are for sure. <laughs> and he did like that's it. I mean, it, it it comes down to the ethic of love, and the love that mm-hmm. we show and receive from God, and then the love that we show and receive from our neighbors. Um, and the the notion of neighbor is clarified quite nicely in the Good Samaritan story. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so it is important for us to consider like our faith is naturally relational it is intended to be a lived out embodied faith and the way we do that is by shaping our relationships that we have with people in a certain way and a lot of the covenants or a lot of the commandments i mean speak to that that commandment that that we we have to shape these things in a certain way like you can't come to church on a sunday this is, to me, just the simplest thing in the world. You can't come to a church on a Sunday and then go out to lunch and treat your server poorly. Like, th- that, that, that's the most basic example I can think of. But you, you just can't do that. Like, if your server brought you the wrong meal after church on a Sunday, they didn't do that because they hate you. And therefore, you just spend an hour thinking about grace and then 
you have to be able to show it. I mean, it's it's the simplest idea, but incredibly difficult to implement because we're humans and we're fallen and we're sinful and we have feelings and emotions and sometimes we lose track of those. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I mean, the, the the commandments are focused on love, and Jesus made that quite clear. So when you see him on somebody's truck or on a sign by the road, as you tend to these days, you know, those should make us think not of judgment and wrath and self-righteousness. They should make us think of love and humility. I feel. Okay. Anyway. Well, Ken, it's been quite a journey. It has been. Thank you for inviting me. Thanks for doing it. You were very brave to commit to eight of these. (laughs) And we do appreciate it. Uh, So... Sunday school is going to continue, so that means the Sunday school podcast will continue. Uh, I'll be teaching uh, the next several weeks uh, a class called The Pastor's Bookshelf. So for Lent, I'm reading a, a faith-related book per week. That's kind of my my discipline. And so um, we'll be talking about some of those. Next, uh, next week, we'll be talking about a book called The Pilgrim's Compass, Ken. Very exciting. So until next time, everybody, peace. Thank you. You got to say goodbye, Ken. Oh, goodbye. Thanks for listening to the Ten Commandments on the One Pres Pod. You can find all sorts of Presbyterian related content here at this podcast. Be sure to like and review it if you are enjoying it. And check out onepres.org for more information about First Presbyterian Church. Thanks for listening.